obviously we hadn't been anywhere all year except we went to, to Disney World when it finally when it opened in July and just going to the airport, we were excited. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome back, everybody, to the DCL Duo podcast. And on this week's show, we're welcoming back Jennifer. Jennifer was on one of our recent bonus episodes talking about her family's trip down to the parks. But we wanted to have Jennifer back on to talk about her experience traveling with Disney internationally. So welcome, Jennifer. Yeah, thanks for having me. Yeah. Yeah, thanks for coming. Well, we always like to start our shows with folks' sort of general Disney background. So your experience with the parks and the cruise line and that sort of thing and Adventures by Disney, which I know you have some experience with. So you want to tell folks about your general Disney background, Jennifer? Sure. I went, I think, a couple of times as a kid and then, you know, didn't go for years and years and years. And then I took my daughter. She was three to Disney World. I didn't plan at all. (laughs) (laughs) We had, honestly, a pretty rough time. And then I was like, I don't think I want anything to do with this again. (laughs) And after my son was born four, five, six years later, when he was about two, we went back. And this time I did plan and we had a great time. And I think, you know, I'm kind of a planner. So that side of it appealed to me. (laughs) And so then we ended up going back to Disney World at least kind of once or twice a year until my son got to kind of that seven, eight year old age range. And then we started branching out uh, and trying to do some more ambitious vacations. I mean, we'd been to several places around the U.S. So we started by going to Hawaii, stayed a little bit in Alani. So there was sort of a Disney component. And then both kids did well with that flight and that travel. So then we, in 2019, kind of really upped our game and... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> did um, a lot of international travel, which at the time I thought, oh, this is too much. But, you know, I was having a lot of changes in my life at the time. So I was just kind of ambitious to to try to to do a bunch with them. And now I'm really glad I did, of course, because we've been pretty grounded all of 2020, obviously. So in 2019, we went to London and Paris over the summer and spent a couple weeks total there. And then we, over Thanksgiving, we went to Tokyo. And then over Christmas, we did the Danube cruise with uh, Adventures by Disney. So that's amazing. We did a lot in 2019. Yeah. My daughter is now 12. She turned 12 in April. So she was 11 when we, we did all that basically. And then my son turned eight last November. So he was kind of about seven years old, I guess, for the Paris and London trip and then was eight for the, the last two trips. And where are you traveling from, Jennifer? San Antonio. Not exactly a a major hub for international travel. You know, before all this, they were actually finally doing some direct flights out to London and Paris from Austin, but only in the summer. We, but so we, it takes us at least two flights to get anywhere and getting back from Budapest actually took three. Uh, that was a lot with kids, I will say. So. so so do you have to to fly to like from San Antonio to like Dallas or something or what's what's sort of your normal? Well, it kind of depends. I usually choose flights based on the carrier. Like we try a lot to go on with Delta because we're comfortable with them and I have, you know, a Delta credit card and, and they usually do a pretty good job, I find. So for England and France, we went up to Detroit and then Detroit to London and then coming back, I think we came back through Atlanta. A lot of the times it routes us through Atlanta. When we went to Germany, we, we were 
went San Antonio, Atlanta, Atlanta to Munich. And that was pretty smooth. Go, Tokyo was a different beast. Obviously, we flew out to LA. We spent a couple of days at Disneyland just to kind of give everybody a short breather. And then we did direct from LA to Tokyo on Singapore Airlines, actually, which was which was great. It's a fabulous airline evening coach. <laughs> so before we transition over to your trips, Jennifer, I'm curious, do you have any experience sailing on Disney Cruise Line? We do, actually. That was another thing where when we started to kind of branch out, I had been on two cruises as a kid, both with Royal Caribbean, and I have memories of really enjoying it. I was pretty young, you know, relatively, and now being in my 40s. So, and my husband and kids had never been on a cruise. So, I think it was about two years ago, I finally kind of talked them into trying one reluctantly because my daughter and uh, Violet and Chris had had very little interest. My son was game. And, you know, they just thought they'd get motion sick, they'd be stir crazy. They just really were not keen on the idea. And then we went on one, we went on a married time, just a four night over. Thanksgiving, not exactly on the holiday, but in November. And we took my parents and and they loved it. Actually, Chris and <laughs> Violet, they, you could not, they played all the game shows. <laughs> they love games that are very competitive. They were just running around the ship doing things all day long. They had no idea what they were in for. No, they didn't. I mean, but definitely there's always like, I'd say maybe the first day it takes her a little bit to get her sea legs. You know, we try the sea bands, we bring a little drama me and that cruise. I remember there being a little bit of motion since then we've been on four together within just a couple of years. So did that one. We did a new year's cruise on the fantasy. And then we did a Marvel on the Magic, which was five nights and just a short three night Halloween on the high seas on the Magic. So they really love it. And then our big cruise was going to be the big, I think it was like 10 or 11 nights to Greece and Italy this summer, but it, obviously that did not happen. So maybe next summer. <laughs> and and those cruises, were they all then out of Florida, like Port Canaveral and Miami pretty much? Yeah. Yeah. Basically we haven't cruised. I mean, we haven't been on the Wonder. Would love to, to do that one day. It's funny. We're about equidistant from Texas and California. It's harder for us for California because you have to fly into LA, of course, usually. You know, it's just obviously the traffic and, and getting to places out of there is a little tougher for us versus Orlando is a little easier. So that's kind of, I think, why we tend to end up on the East Coast. Although, you know, there's cruises out of Galveston, which we could drive. So that's kind of tempting once they start again. Cruising is one thing where Chris is kind of, at least at this point, um, he's leaning toward just, you know, waiting until there's a vaccine. And I think he's a little more cautious about, you know, if there were to be an outbreak getting stuck on the ship. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 Although no, I, you know, I trust Disney, but yeah. You know. Yeah, that's one thing where he's a little more, I think, cautious about that going forward. Yeah, well, that makes sense. I mean, they've opened the parks in Florida, but still haven't opened the cruise line yet. That's evident of they can they can take different kinds of precautions and, you know, in the parks that are, are more difficult, probably on the ships. So we've done some international travel, but my kids kind of joke that, yeah, I always find a way to incorporate Disney somehow. So what's <laughs> <laughs> it gears over to your sort of experience with Disney internationally and international travel with kids, which I think is a fascinating topic and one that you seem well versed in. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I know from talking to you off the air and you, you know, you mentioned earlier, you've done the Adventures by Disney Christmas Markets cruise. You did an Adventures by Disney Paris and London trip, and you've been over to Tokyo Disney. I want to start sort of at the beginning of things and just ask a couple questions. One is how many trips outside the U.S. have you taken with your your family? Well, I guess if we're not counting, you know, islands like we've been to Jamaica and, a, you know, a couple of Caribbean destinations, I would say major international travel, the three and, and all in 2019. 
And so as you alluded to, all all incorporated Disney in some capacity. So yeah. (laughs) (laughs) What was the planning like for those trips? And and it might help, I think, to separate sort of the Adventures by Disney side of things from maybe your trip over to Tokyo Disney, because I suspect for Adventures by Disney, a lot of the planning is taken care of by them or through them, whereas Tokyo Disney, I suspect you had to do some of the planning on your own. But what was the planning like for those trips? Yeah, I think I'm I'm always a little bit torn because I, I like to plan and frequently we end up really enjoying what we plan on our own. You also only have so much time to plan is one. And then two, it's also nice to sometimes just, you know, show up and have it planned for you. So <laughs> so I, I think that's why for our summer trip when we did London and Paris, I mean, we we picked those those destinations because we thought that would be a good kind of gateway into Europe for the kids because it's sort of the least foreign in some ways. And and Paris personally was a destination I'd t- taken French in high school and I'd always wanted to go and I'd never been and versus I'd been to some of Eastern Europe and to, to London before. So that was kind of our idea with picking that destination. And then we wanted to try out Adventures by Disney. So we basically set aside two weeks, one week, which would be the ABD trip, and then one week, which would just be me planning things on our own. So we did kind of a half a week in London, did the ABD, which went from London to Paris, a little bit more than a half a week on our own in Paris, and then also incorporated a few days in Disneyland Paris. So that was the idea there. And then with Tokyo, I, you know, I planned it kind of entirely on my own, although we did have a, a private guide for a couple of days. So for those couple of days, I left it up to him. But when you have the, the guides, it's just nice because... When we're completely on our own, I find as a parent, you're you're spending so much time and energy trying to make sure you figure out how to get around the city, how to get around safely, keeping the kids entertained. It's just there's very little time for you to kind of step back and enjoy the moment. And especially somewhere like Tokyo, where, you know, I was really having to kind of think hard about, OK, how do I get on the subway? You know, how do I pay? Where am I going? <laughs> Wherever you are, whether it's Paris or Tokyo or anywhere you don't know, you find yourself, you know, looking in the guidebook and, and reading things to the kids, but you don't have time always to just be in the moment. And when you have a guide, it's great because number one, they they live there. They, they know the city intimately. So you're I think you're enjoying a lot more, you know, a lot more authentic experience being in the city. And most of the guides we've had are great with the kids and keep them engaged. But, you know, we can also sit back and learn. So, so I think that's why sometimes it's nice to even if you're planning on your own to kind of find somebody local to, to help at least a few few days of the trip. Yeah, that's a great point. I mean, otherwise you've got your head in the book or your head in your phone trying to figure out logistics and you don't get to see the sites yourself. So that's a really good tip. So what resources, Jennifer, did you use? I mean, on the am I right on the ABD side? It sounds like you're sort of showing up and letting them do the work for yeah. the most part. But even there, the part, yeah. yeah, even there, you had like a half of a week in Paris on your uh, on your own and you had mm-hmm. Tokyo, which has got to be a, a harder city to, to navigate yeah. in some ways. So what resources were you using to plan these trips or what did you find most helpful? Maybe I should ask that. For Tokyo, since we were doing a few days in, in Tokyo Disney, as well as just the city at large, I used you know, TDR Explorer, a website run by a gentleman that does mainly Tokyo Disney info, but he has a website and podcast as well. And he'll talk about things in general in, in, to- in the city of Tokyo. So that's helpful. Tom Bricker, who I think a lot of Disney fans are familiar with mm-hmm. from Disney Tourist blog, you know, that blog for the Tokyo Disney side, he, he is a big fan of those parks. And then he has a blog called Travel Caffeine which talks about his travels in not only Tokyo and Japan, but 
Paris and some other cities. So just because I'm already familiar with those two through their Disney resources, I certainly relied on on some of that information. And then just, you know, of course, TripAdvisor and, you know, Rick Steves and some of those those kind of common travel resources. I think, you know, for me, for for Paris, for example, what I would do is I identify like a couple things we really wanted to do. Like, a, you know, we set up a, a cheese tasting because my kids are big foodies. And so, you know, we were going to go, we went to a little shop and they, you know, showed us how they made the cheese. And then we went down into like the cave and we tasted a bunch of cheese. And so I'd pick that. I'd pick maybe a couple of restaurants we wanted to try and then take kind of the conglomeration of everything we wanted to do and then plot it on a map and say, okay, what day can we, you know, walk or get around easily between, you know, sites A, B, and C? And then what day should we do D? And you know, so they're in, because for us, a big part of our travel planning is always the time it takes for getting between one point and the other, right? Because number one, you have kids, so they only have so much travel time in them, you know, walking time or subway time. And then number two, my daughter is very motion sickness prone. So we always have to kind of think about that. You know, how much time are we going to be spending in a cab? How much time she can walk a long way? But of course, then it gets into my my son can't necessarily. So <laughs> so I think you have to think about your individual kid. And because if you if you get somewhere and it takes you, you know, forever to get somewhere in a cab, you know, my son may handle that fine. But then if we get there and my daughter is nauseous and about to throw up, then that kind of kills our day. So so I think that is travel time and ease of travel is always a big one when you have kids. And then there's things we want to do, like the Louvre or the Orsay, for example, in, in Paris. Then I try maybe to find a guide who is going to tailor it maybe a little bit more to the kids. And because we, we did end up with maybe museum overload in Paris. We went to a ton of museums. One of the guys we had she was super super great and she had like an art history major but it was a little dry for the kids so kind of lesson learned maybe next time it was great having the guide for me because I could listen and, and learned a ton of info, but the kids kind of burned out on it. So yeah, that's a really good, really good point about, I think, um, I do think uh, particularly with kids that kind of break is needed. Yeah, I think I've learned, you know, I definitely learned some lessons after that first kind of attempt. You know, we we wanted to see so much and we did see a ton. But I think for us, it's one of those things where we could do like one museum a day and then, you know, they could do a food tour or I had planned, for instance, our own kind of walking food tour around Paris, which you know, it wasn't optimal because it was August. So a lot was closed. <laughs> we didn't realize that's kind of when everybody in Paris took a, took vacation. And then for Tokyo, we used, um, for a couple of days, we used a guide that was recommended through TDR Explorer and uh, the company, it's called Maction, uh, M-A-C-T-I-O-N Planet. And uh, we actually used the the lead guy there, Mac, and and he was fabulous. He was great with the kids. I had put a couple things on the agenda that we definitely wanted to do. And so he incorporated those and then would take us, you know, to a local place for sushi or ramen or, or something. And it was great to have him there, obviously, because, you know, he spoke fluent Japanese and could, you know, help us with the communication part. It felt like more of an authentic experience, you know, where we, we did a couple of the touristy things, but we also just, you know, he could walk around the city and talk about parts of the city. And so that worked out great for us. How much do you have your kids involved in the planning? Jennifer, I'm, I'm curious how you balance uh, out sort of picking things that they want to do versus, yeah, how much do you involve them in the planning aspect of it? You know, I I've certainly know some things they're going to want to do, right? Like we could, they're going to want to try restaurants and try 
different food. And, and that, so that's always a big one. I look for activities that I think they'll like. And, you know, there's definitely sometimes where, where I'll ask their opinion, maybe if I'm choosing between a couple of things. But usually I just look for things I think that they, they'd enjoy doing. For instance, we went to, we love Studio Ghibli movies. So we went to their museum in Tokyo. And then we went to, it's called Sanrio Puroland, the company that makes Hello Kitty. And uh, they have this little, I guess you could call it a little indoor theme park there, but it's just so wacky and different from anything that we have in the States. I think, you know, it's very whimsical and, and just kind of watching when you're in Tokyo, you don't see a lot of other Americans really usually. So, so I think just, I mean, they just loved being in a different culture and seeing how everybody interacted and, you know, trying to communicate with other people. And, um, and so, and then we went to, um, there was a digital arts museum in Tokyo, which was very interactive and, you know, there's a lot of lights and sounds. And so just trying to pick activities that they'll enjoy and not, like you said, you know, museum overload. I think we did a better job with that in Tokyo. We did a couple things that were a little more geared towards adults, like, we went to a temple and sat there for close to an hour of prayer, but they, you know, did the drum ceremony and, and it was all in Japanese. So obviously we didn't exactly know what was happening, but we went there with Mac and you had to be totally silent, which the kids luckily were able to do. But it's just as being the only non-temple members there and, in, you know, getting to kind of sit through that experience. I think even that, though that wasn't something I would have picked out for the kids, like he knew that would be something interesting and different for them. And so it was kind of good to have both me picking out some things I thought they'd like and then him saying, no, no, try this. I think, you know, both the adults and kids will find it fascinating. Your tip around finding a guide, at least for a day of the trip, is I think a great one, especially to experience yeah. the city. And TripAdvisor, I will say, is a great resource to find, I think, really mm -hmm. local, small company experience guides that aren't the necessarily the hop on, hop off bus tour kind of approach. And yeah, I, I just really appreciate that kind of I've, I found some great we'll call private tour guides that are, you know, people hear private tour guide. They think it's going to be insanely expensive. It's not always. Sometimes it's like, you know, local college students or something who've started a little business to make some extra money. And they they provide a fabulous sort of locals perspective on the city you're visiting. And so I've found a lot of that stuff has been great and, you know, steering you toward things that you might not otherwise think to experience or that the hop on hop off bus tour is going to go by. How do you think about sort of, are there any special considerations you'd give folks out there for structuring their day? I mean, I think I would say Disney parks fans always think about go, 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 go up early all day, fireworks, close the park out, get back. Disney cruise line people are like up when we get up. So, uh, you know, let's, let's have a relaxing day, maybe do a shore excursion. You know, it's a little bit more different pace, but do you, do you have any special considerations or tips for people out there structuring their day with, with kids? Yeah, it, it definitely somewhat depends on the age of your kids. Like in uh, London and Paris, Chris ended up actually not being able to go at the last minute because of work. So we we subbed in his mom. And so for that, actually, it ended up working out pretty well because my, my daughter and I wanted to be out all day. I mean, I definitely am a go, go, go person. But but Garrett, you know, after about a half day of walking around, these were on our the on our own days. After about a half day of walking around, you know, he was pretty tired. And my mother-in-law was honestly, too. So they could go back to the hotel and rest. And then Violet and I could keep walking and, and, and doing things around the city. And then we'd all kind of meet for dinner. So that worked out really well. I think for Tokyo, we just decided, you know, how often were we going to be there? So we were just going to spend each day out. And for us, we we do this in the parks too. We just, we structure our day always with multiple sit-down meals, even though 
you know, it's going to cost a little more. It certainly takes time. Um, for us, that's kind of our rest break. You know, we sit down, we enjoy the meal, you know, rest the legs. And it's kind of the same thing in the park. We don't tend to do a lot of quick service unless it's, you know, obviously we were kind of getting snacks here and there. And I, I did that whether I was in Tokyo Disney or Disneyland Paris, although in Disneyland Paris, the food is terrible. So <laughs> <laughs> the snacks are actually much better. So I would do that differently next time. But. We, we've heard that over and over again now. Well, I guess I'd love to hear about the snacks in both Disneyland Paris and Tokyo Disney. And are the snacks, you know, similar to what we see in the parks in the States or are they variations of those things or are they completely different? Well, in Paris, we actually were hoping to go back to Paris and take Chris because he, he really wanted to go and he was so sad that he missed the trip. So we had actually planned for his birthday to, as a surprise to go this Thanksgiving and spend a week in Paris and then just a day or two at Disneyland Paris. So obviously that will that will probably not happen. But, but my thought when we went back was for Disneyland Paris specifically, we probably won't do many sit-down meals. Um, the kids enjoy, they um, do a, a good, actually just like a Belgian waffle. Some were mixed shaped some weren't at some of the carts and then they also loved to sell just crepes at a lot of the carts so my daughter loves chocolate so she would get like a nutella crepe and then my son does not eat chocolate so he would get one with just you know sugar and butter and so they often survived on that because when we'd go to the meals with one exception waltz in disneyland paris was good i think everywhere else we tried <laughs> was not very good even uh, the uh, restaurant kind of connected to ratatouille which i think some people like we didn't really enjoy our meal there. So at the other side, everything we ate in Paris was wonderful. I mean, we I'd picked a lot of restaurants beforehand and then we had guides recommend some other places. I think with every single thing we had there was great. So so we very much plan around food. (laughs) (laughs) We're the same way. Then I just try to keep in mind maybe one museum a day and then you try to find another activity that's more geared towards something the kids would enjoy. And and I think that depends on your kid, whether they're more of the outdoorsy kind or, you know, what type of activity that would be. For my daughter, we try to incorporate a little shopping because she has little things she'll collect on trips to remind her of the trip. And my son as well. It's just for she's definitely more into that part of it. In Tokyo, the snacks are definitely more wacky. You know, we wanted to try some of the the different flavors of popcorn. That's a big thing there. You know, some of the the strange buns that would be filled with various things or the they have the little green alien men from Toy Story, a little mochi or whatever. <laughs> so, <laughs> so we just, you know, we just tried to, you know, some some are there like a Mike Wazowski, I think it's melon flavored bread, which I think we all took one bite of and we're like, mm, that's enough. But, but we definitely wanted to try them all. So I'm also curious. So you mentioned the food. It sounds like your kids are pretty adventurous eaters, mm-hmm. but the food in Asia, especially in Japan, can be can be pretty adventurous. So were they willing to try things and and you know did did they like it? And yeah, how'd you, how'd you navigate the food experience? Yeah, for us, for us, we're lucky that way. I mean, the kids, they love sushi. They, they loved trying the ramen. I think it was more actually an issue, issue in Tokyo Disneyland, just because sometimes our communication was limited. There's an Italian sit down restaurant in Tokyo Disney Sea, And I thought, okay, Italian, that's great. You know, that'll be an easy, easy thing for the kids. And, but my daughter has a tree nut allergy and my husband has a shellfish allergy. So that was always a little bit of a concern with allergies. So we ordered her, she got a cheese pizza and we thought, okay, cheese pizza, that's easy. But it came out with crushed walnuts. <laughs> so, you know, which we were like trying to just brush them off, which was a mistake. Cause then of course she took a bite and, and had kind of a mild reaction. Right. Her the oils. allergy isn't severe, unlike my husband. So for Chris, we always had to like try to communicate, you know, he can't eat shrimp, but then sometimes they would say, okay, 
shrimp? No, but he can have crab. And he was like, no, no, I can't have crab. I can't. <laughs> so I think it was more tricky with that because the kids really would, like I said, they'll, they'll try almost anything. So we're pretty lucky that way. We would just try to find a general category of food, like, okay, we want ramen now. And, and then with our guide, we would just, that was easy. We'd say, oh, can we take us to your favorite ramen shop or your favorite place for sushi? And so that made it pretty easy. Are you guys reservation people? Like when you both, I guess, in the parks, but also when you're traveling in a city, I know it sounds like you you found a lot of restaurants ahead of time. Did you find that you needed to make reservations? I, and I brought in the question to both, you know, Tokyo, Disney, Disneyland Paris, but then also outside of the parks, you know, in the cities where did you guys feel like you needed reservations at most of the restaurants? Yeah, I think for the most part, we do do that. I mean, it's it was definitely, that's part of the, the planning part I like, but it's also some of the most challenging part. For instance, for Paris, I didn't want to spend the money or try to spend the effort to communicate by calling re- restaurants. So I definitely favored places where you could make the reservation online or by email, just because it's so much easier from a communication barrier and just, you know, for ease of time. And I generally did try to make reservations whenever I could, because once your kids get hungry, you know, if I tell them at the beginning of the day, okay, we're going to have lunch at noon. So, you know, head around that. If you need a snack before, then fine. But if they have that expectation for kids, I think at least it helps. Like they know, okay, we're going to eat such and such at noon. It just tends to nip a lot of problems in the bud versus if you get to noon and they're like, oh my God, we're starving. And then you have to try to find a place where you can get in and and it's the type of food they want. Mm-hmm. And, and especially for some of the popular restaurants, like we went to a crepe place in, in Paris, which was wonderful, but you know, they were slammed. And luckily we had a reservation because if you suggest crepes and they get all excited and then you get there and you'd be faced with like an hour wait, that's very, that's tough. Kids. Yeah. No, that's <laughs> so, a really and good then tough point. for parents. So and then certainly in the parks, you often need reservations. To, to go back for a second, Jennifer, on the getting there aspect of things, I had one other question mm. I wanted to ask you, which was I feel like a perennial concern for parents. How are you getting the kids over jet lag? I mean, those are long, long haul trips. Yeah. And I, know, I know taking our son even to Orlando from Seattle can be a little bit brutal in terms yeah, of getting him six hours one way, five hours the other way. How do you get them? How do you get them adjusted? Is that impact? And it's going east, right? That we, That's always really hard. Like for us coming back from Hawaii, I remember it was hard and coming back from Japan. So going to Japan actually was kind of remarkably easy because I think our, our flight was at night out of LA because we'd gone to LA. So it was, even though it was a couple hours time difference, you know, we had like two days in Disneyland and we were, we were pretty easy and it was going west. So that was pretty easy. And then, so we flew out at night from LA and we landed, even though we didn't sleep much on the plane, we landed at like 9, 10 PM in Tokyo. So then we basically went to our hotel, checked in and passed out. So that was pretty easy. Yeah. Versus when you go to Europe, since you're going east, it's hard because you end up landing usually in the morning and then, yeah, you have to keep yourself up. So I think when we landed in London, I want to say it was like midday because we had all these delays. And so we kind of just fumbled around that afternoon and, and didn't do a ton. And so just tried to stay up until the evening and get on the time change. But honestly, that first night, nobody slept great, right? I think I had one kid wake up after a few hours and then they fell asleep and then the next kid woke up. So I didn't really sleep the first night or two. And then when we went to Munich, we tried something different. We landed in the morning, got checked into the hotel, luckily, and then took a nap. And we said, okay, we're only going to sleep for like two hours or whatever the nap was. And then I made everybody get up, which, you know, there was a lot of grumbling. (laughs) 
But by doing that, we were then up all afternoon. And so we we got adjusted pretty quick. So that seemed to work a little better. We, you know, we made ourselves get up, have like a late lunch. And then my daughter and I went out and walked around Munich a little bit while my son was kind of still getting his mind settled. You know, we let him play with his iPad or whatever and kind of go at his own speed. And then we all went out for dinner and to walk around a little bit. And so when we slept that night, it worked much better. And then, you know, I take some melatonin gummies for them and, and hope maybe there's a little placebo effect to that. I, I don't know that it makes any difference, but. What about hotels? You know, for Adventures by Disney, they're picking your hotels, but you've obviously had some trips and portions of trips where you're picking your own. Any tips there as you've traveled internationally for hotels? Because I know the expectations of Americans can be a little bit different about what a hotel looks like, especially especially going into Europe. But any any tips there? Any thoughts? I always lean towards I'm willing to pay more for convenience, I guess. And that's kind of a theme in general. Like I obviously we fly coach, but I try to pick the flights where we have the least number of flight changes, right? Like two flights max to go to Europe and try to pick ones that land as much as possible at what I think will be the best time for us as far as adjusting. And then for hotels, I usually pick based on location, right? And convenience. So at Disneyland Paris, we kind of, we splurged for a couple nights in the, I think it's just called the Disneyland Hotel because you're basically part of the park and you just walk out. And so, and I booked it through ABD. So I think they had included all the fast passes. And so it was just very easy. And they drove us there. And all we had to do was get a, our own car back into Paris because since we were staying longer. And then for Tokyo, did a couple nights at, I think they just call it the, the Tokyo Disneyland Hotel. And then I did a couple nights at Miracosta. That's not ideal because you're having to switch hotels and you're kind of spending time and effort doing that. But I, I wanted to see them both just because I didn't know when I'd be back. So those are sort of their two hotels. One is basically right across the street from the Tokyo Disneyland. And then the Miracosta is basically part of Tokyo Disney Sea. So again, very convenient, both beautiful hotels. They were actually plenty of spacious. So, you know, that wasn't an issue. Tokyo Disneyland's website is, I found very difficult to use, <laughs> you know, <laughs> from an American perspective and a real kind of pain to book because I kept getting frustrated because I would try to book it. I forget what the issue was but I would pick two kids, but I think I was saying, maybe I was saying bed share because I didn't understand it had like bed share and bed. And for instance, I kept trying to do, I think it was bed share and it was showing me nothing available. And I was like, how can there be nothing available? It's like, like the first day of booking. And it took me weeks to figure out that if I clicked the other button, then there were many more rooms. <laughs> so it was just, you know, silly things like that. So, and then, you know, outside of that in Tokyo, I just tried to pick a hotel. I mean, I, I used Max advice somewhat too. I just said, you know, hey, I'm looking at these few hotels. And, and he would say, you know, really, that's not in the easiest part of the city to get around. You should stay. We ended up staying in um, this hotel that was basically right next to the Tokyo's main train station because he said, hey, you know, it'll be so much easier to get to other parts of Tokyo if you stay here. So that ended up being helpful because for us, again, it's planning around ease of transportation when you have kids. Yeah, that's a really good point. In terms of activities, I just wanted to spend a second, Jennifer, you've talked about a lot of great activities you did with your family. I wanted to step back and just sort of ask with regard to the activities you did in each kind of location, maybe we'll just take them in turn, like a favorite that stood out for you that, you know, everyone really enjoyed. So, you know, maybe we just start in Tokyo. Was there something that you guys did that you just really stood out as something you'd say, if you're going with your kids, be sure to do this? Yeah, aside from the parks. Right. Aside from the parks. Yeah. 
Um, with Tokyo, I think for us, the Studio Ghibli Museum was huge because we're such a big fan of those movies. And then the the Digital Arts Museum. Yeah, of course, you know, we love Tokyo Disneyland. And uh, so I think those were those were big ones for us. For Paris, you know, of course, my kids love the Eiffel Tower. That was great. And then the cheese tasting. I mean, I... <laughs> I you know, I didn't know if they'd have the patience, but they they sat there just for the whole hour plus, you know, listened to the guy talk about all the cheeses. They loved <laughs> trying the, you know, I think. So that's one thing where, you know, you know, just depending on knowing your kids and what they like um, mm-hmm. for mine, if it involves food, you know, that's and that's always one of their highlights for the ABD things. They love going to the things where you make your chocolates, even though my son doesn't like chocolate. He loved the chocolate making activity. Mm-hmm. Oh, and of cool. course, my daughter just would eat everything. So <laughs> and if there's, you know, ever like the chef's table on the Danube cruise, that was a highlight for us because they can sit there. We actually did that in Paris. We went to one of the, the you know, the Michelin star restaurants and they sat there. We, I think we had like a nine course meal. I mean, oh my they sat there for multiple hours, no iPads, no nothing. They didn't necessarily like all the courses, but they would try them. And then at the end, you know, the the waiters were, I think, so tickled that they they sat there for the whole thing that they took them back to meet the chef. So that was, uh, you know, a lot of fun. And I think something they'll they'll remember for a long time. So oh, that's neat. Yeah. What about in London? Was there anything that stood out in London that you guys really enjoyed doing? For London, we went to Harry Potter and the Cursed Child. Been wanting to see the show. The hard part about that show is it's two parts, and each part is close to three hours. We did it. We didn't really have a choice, so we we did it all in a, a day. And so wow. we all went to the first part and loved it. And then we went out and we walked around the city and we had dinner. And then my son was like, "I, you know, I don't really think I can sit through another three hours, even though he enjoyed the first part, understandably, like that would be a lot for him. So he and my mother-in-law went back to the hotel to relax. And my daughter and I went to the second part and she loved the second part too. She like she loves theaters. So that was a big highlight for us. And then I would say tea. Again, it involves mm. food <laughs> and they like trying the cheese. Of course, the, you know, the restaurants were always good about offering kids, you know, they could have apple juice or hot chocolate or actual tea. And one of the places we, we did teas at a couple places. The two I found great for kids. One was called Sketch. Yep. Oh, we, we ate at Sketch in London for just a regular meal, Brian, just, yeah. just the two of us. It was a vacation without our son. Yeah, I don't know if their tea room, it's like all pink, right? I'm not sure if the restaurant's the same. But yeah, they did a great tea where they gave the kids like little stuffed animals and it was kind of a production. And then the other place we ate was, it's called, it's just called Science Tea, but it's at the Ampersand. It's a hotel and everything was like a science experiment, right? Oh, cool. You know, everything from the food to the tea. So it was a lot of, you know, little beakers and pipettes. And so it was like a, you know, it combined like, yeah, food and an activity. And, and we really loved that. So again, I think I, I just found things from Googling, you know, best tea experiences to do with kids, like that sort of thing. Those I think stood out as highlights. I mean, we went to the British Museum and did a couple other things, but you know, when we saw the Rosetta Stone, of course, the kids were like, okay. It's a rock. I'm curious on the EBD River cruise you did, Jennifer, I heard your trip report, but I'm curious how your kids like the Christmas markets. Was that something they enjoyed going through? Did it feel like an activity that a family could do or were they, you know, kind of like, oh, this is boring? 
<laughs> no, I think they actually really liked them. I mean, it combines, you know, you've got kind of all the things, at least my kids like, you've got kind of trinket shopping, right? Like I collected the little um, Christmas mugs because, you know, you had the choice, right, between returning them to get your deposit back and then keeping them as souvenirs. And then the kids would find, you know, some little things to buy. You had snack right? Snack tasting. So they loved Budapest and Vienna had those blanking on what they called them, but they look like um, tree rings of uh, almost like a churro type dough. Bumkaschen, I think they're called. Yeah, Bumkaschen. Yeah, exactly. So so you had snacking, you had shopping, you had lights. <laughs> so <laughs> I think those hit all the highlights music. So we really enjoyed them. I'd say the major limiting factor for that trip for us was just, you know, weather, right? Like, like in Budapest, for instance, it was a super cold day. So at some point, after we did our ABD activity and then we walked around a little bit on our own, they just got really cold. Since the boat's parked right you know, in the city, I would take them back to the boat with Chris and then I usually would keep walking around because like I said, I'm just not somebody who can sit, I guess, in the room when I'm, I would mentally be thinking the whole time, I'm only here for five more hours. <laughs> <laughs> I want to. So that's what I think I struggle with with kids is not overdoing it right. I mean, you can only do so many activities. So I have to be kind of careful that I don't overdo it or that, you know, I know we're going to be taking some breaks just to sit and relax, whether, it, whether it's in a restaurant or in the hotel room or, or whatnot. So. And how do you think about the cultural aspect with your kids too? Like, have you used these as opportunities to sort of teach them about the different kind of cultures outside the U.S.? And, you know, how'd you do that if you did? Yeah, well, I think um, that's what's great about travel in general and right and why this year I think is so heartbreaking is just, you know, every time I think you expose kids and adults, right, to somewhere different and people who are different. And I think that just gives people, you know, an appreciation for the larger world out there and, and you know, a little more kindness and patience and tolerance for other people. And for Tokyo, we found the Japanese, I mean, they were just the nicest <laughs> most patient, most pleasant people. Of course, you know, we would get, we would call it the the X of doom. They would kind of cross their arms in an X, especially at Tokyo to say, no, no, you can't do that. (laughs) (laughs) You know, we don't have that or, you know, so, but, you know, everything was always with a smile and they, you know, we spoke obviously no Japanese except for a couple of words that we tried to learn. So communication was, was frequently kind of a struggle, even though a lot of the signs are in English as well, but you know, then it's problem solving, right? So it kind of helps teach the kids to, to try to make an effort to, to communicate with other people and to, you know, figure out the impasse is or what the problem is and try to, and try to solve it. So I think, you know, that's valuable, even though, you know, the travel part is hard. I mean, obviously it's hard to be on a plane for nine, 10, 11 hours with, with kids. Well, so Jennifer, I'm curious before we sort of shift gears here and head over to our rapid fire round at the end of the show, any, you know, sort of final tips or considerations that you'd give folks out there thinking about traveling with their kids internationally that we haven't, uh, that we haven't covered? I mean, I would definitely say go for it, you know, especially if there's, if the pandemic has, has taught me anything, it was, you know, I'm glad I, I did so much in 2019, obviously, you know, you have to kind of base it on saving up money and time to go, you know, Chris now has a new job, so he has to save up vacation days. So, um, certainly when you have the opportunity, I think it's it's worth the money and the time on the airplane and all the, the hassles, just because... I mean, how much time do we get with our kids when they're they're young to do things like that? My parents have started traveling a lot, but they mostly did it after we were grown and out of the house. And, um, you know, I want to be able to travel with my kids now. And then hopefully when they grow up, maybe they'll still want to go occasionally. 
Yeah. <laughs> For us, at least, I'd much rather save my money to do that, you know, spend it on clothes or jewelry or a car, or, you know, but if, if that's what you're into, I, you know, certainly power to you. But for me, that's where I save my money and what I want to spend it on. So is there a favorite moment or experience you have from these trips that uh, really stands out for you? I think it's got to be Tokyo. I mean, I still remember even just getting to the just getting to the airport. I mean, we were just so excited to be somewhere that different, right? None of us had ever been to Asia. My my uncle lived in Hong Kong actually for a while when I was growing up, and we never went, you know. And I just I wish we had. But when we got to the airport, even though everything was closed, I remember there was some kind of robot dog or something in the airport, and we were just all like so excited. <laughs> And then we we took a car over to our hotel and it, it was just so exciting just to be there. You know, it's just electricity is, I think, the only way I can describe it. And, and we really even going to London, it was that same excitement just to be somewhere different with your kids. And and now we get excited. Obviously, we hadn't been anywhere all year except we went to, to Disney World when it finally when it opened in July and just going to the airport. We were excited, <laughs> even though. Just because it was, you know, so exciting to just get back out out of the house. And I've I've developed kind of a strange love for airports just because it means I'm I'm going somewhere to do something different. And and then when you come back to work, you know, it, then you just kind of start counting down to the next time. Hopefully you get out. And I think that's what's hard right now, right, is none of us know mm-hmm. when we can get out again. So, yeah. Well, speaking of when we can get out again, you know, um, when things do start to normalize, Jennifer, does your family have any plans? You know, what's what's next for you guys? Well, we had a ton of plans, but it's hard to know what will happen and what won't happen. I think I have a bunch of things lined up, assuming maybe only a couple of them will happen. But we, uh, our cruise got bumped to next year. We were hoping to spend a week in Italy and then do, I think it's about eight nights, the, the Greece and Italy cruise with Disney. And then we were hoping to take my kid's dad to Paris this Thanksgiving. And now we're, we're hoping maybe that gets bumped to, if it gets bumped, that it gets bumped to spring break because I have next year's spring break off. We were originally, I'd signed up to do the Panama Canal cruise, but more likely than that, we'll, we'll hopefully get over to Paris. Next Christmas week, or maybe it's New Year's week, we had planned to do another ABD to Egypt, actually. So, oh, wow. so we got a lot of cool stuff, which I'm hoping will happen next year. Well, if you take that trip to if you take that trip to Egypt, Jennifer, let us know, because we would love to have yeah. you back on to hear all about that. Yeah, that sounds yeah, amazing. That, I kind of was like, I either want to go. I want to go somewhere really different. So it was kind of there or Australia. And unfortunately, ABD changed the Australia itinerary next year and it, it didn't really appeal to us as much. So all of the, their new New Zealand one looks 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 really fabulous. So. Yeah, the Egypt one, I think, sold out almost immediately because people were so yeah, excited about yeah, it. It's, yeah, it's pretty pretty popular. Although every time they try to go to Egypt, something happens. <laughs> all the ABDs there get canceled. So maybe it's, I don't know, maybe it's not meant to be. But Well, we'll, we'll keep our fingers crossed for you because that'd be a cool destination to see for sure. Yeah. So. Well, let's head over to our favorite part of the show. I should say Sam's favorite part of the show, which is the rapid fire round. And so Sam, you want to take it away? Yeah. So we're, we're calling this our international edition of the rapid fire. Oh, okay. Although the first three questions are really just general Disney questions. So who is your favorite Disney or Pixar character? I think my, for my daughter and I, it's probably Chip and Dale. Nice. <laughs> we, they're mischievous and there was a blast to meet in the park. So yes, love them. Your favorite Disney or Pixar movie? I think for me, it's up. I still cry at the beginning every time. It's about the love of travel, I think, the love of, you know, adventure. So, yeah, I totally bawled during that. Your favorite Disney song? 
I think the one we find ourselves singing the most is probably Be Our Guest, although <laughs> uh, there's, a, there's a lot of great ones. So. Your favorite international trip? Uh, it's probably the Tokyo trip. And your favorite city? I think we have a, a soft spot for New York. Both my, Chris and I lived there for about five years and we love Broadway. So, so the favorite, your favorite food from your international trips? Ooh, that's tough. I think it's probably, I mean, we love sushi. So going to the little hole in the wall Japanese place and, you know, just uh, basically saying, let us try what you recommend. And so it's not just our usual tuna roll or whatever. That was, that was pretty fabulous. River cruising versus ocean cruising. Gosh, that's tough. I, I think overall, there's they're both great in different ways. I mean, the excitement of the big ocean cruise boat is, or ship is is pretty fabulous. But river cruising is a great way to see Europe. That's for sure. I would do one again in a heartbeat. Favorite Disney park. They're all great in different ways. I mean, probably I'd say Disney Sea just because it's so unique and different. I mean, we, yeah, we, we can, I could say, you know, different things I love about each of them. But certainly I think when you've only been somewhere once, that's that kind of crazy and different and unique. Um, and we have a soft spot for Duffy. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we love Duffy too. Your favorite snack at Tokyo Disney? We liked the honey popcorn over in the Winnie the Pooh area. That was very good. Cool. Your favorite ride at Tokyo Disney? Fortunately, we didn't get to ride their Journey to the Center of the Earth ride because it was down. Um, but we loved Pooh's Honey Hunt. That was great. And then their new their version of Soarin', even though the ride itself is the same, the queue and the pre-show are amazing. <laughs> oh, your favorite land at Tokyo Disney? believe they have this kind of New York area that has a theater in it where they do the show called Big Band Beat, which was a lot of fun. That's where I think their Tower of Terror is. We liked that area. They're kind of New York area. Cool. What's your favorite land in Disney parks more generally? So if you could sort of pick a land out of any of the parks that you've been to. Even though it's not my favorite set of series of movies, we love Cars Land over in DCA. It's just really kind of magical, especially at night. We, we have some great I think a lot of times where you like is tied to certain memories. We just have some great memories of being there in the evenings, you know, when the kids were little. Yeah, I love that. It's my favorite land as well. What would you say was the most unusual or the most surprising thing about Tokyo Disney? Either park there. Yeah, I think Tokyo, what's kind of magical and amazing is how into it everybody is you know all you know all the japanese like they're just dressed in these elaborate outfits and they're staging like photo shoots with their stuffed animals and their you know snacks and it's just i mean there's just like the pure joy and like love of the parks is just really i don't know it's really kind of impressive and inspiring <laughs> Because we're we're just usually don't put in that amount of effort to be like have like the coordinated clothes and the you know, <laughs> but uh, it's just I mean it's really it's fun to be around that that kind of energy. Yeah. So my final question of the rapid fire round is, what is your bucket list international family trip? I think. I would like to do an African safari, but I think as a family, our bucket list destinations, probably China. I mean, we'd love to go see the Great Wall, go to, I'm sure we'd go to Shanghai, Disneyland, of course, <laughs> of course. Know, go to Hong Kong. I mean, that's probably as a family, I think that would be it. Yeah. Are you thinking about the, maybe the ABD, the China ABD? 
that's probably one where I would only do it through ABD. Yeah, just because I would just that would be so another level of difficulty I think for me to plan. You know, obviously it's a different system of government, and there's a lot of kind of things that I wouldn't. I'd want the comfort of yeah the group travel. I think. Well, Jennifer, thank you so much for coming on today and talking about your experience traveling internationally. Really appreciate it. And like I said, if you have that ABD trip to Egypt and it works out, we would really love to have you back on to hear how that went. But um, oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, fingers crossed. Yeah, we'll cross (laughs) our fingers for you, because if your trip isn't happening to Egypt, who knows if our trip on the Danube is happening. Yeah. 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 Let's certainly hope by then. Yeah. Yeah. Things are better. Well, so, so thank you, Jennifer, for coming on. Really appreciate it. Thanks. Appreciate it. Well, that was really fun talking to Jennifer about her family's international Disney adventures. I wanted to take a second to just say apologies for this episode being several days late. Brian has been sick for the past couple of weeks, uh, thankfully not with coronavirus, but it has delayed our podcast editing as he's the one who edits all of our episodes. I also wanted to remind you all to check out bonus episode 34 if you haven't heard about our virtual race, the Turkey Lurkey 5K. It'll benefit the Autism on the Seas Foundation, and it's co-sponsored by our friends over at the DCL Podcast, the Rope Drop Radio Podcast, and us, the DCL Duo Podcast. Find out about how you can participate and how you can get a race t-shirt to support the Autism on the Seas Foundation. Once again, that's bonus episode 34. Thanks for listening again this week. Remember to subscribe to the podcast so you can keep getting great content from the DCL Duo each week. Please also give us a five-star review at Apple Podcasts. Those reviews are super helpful in making the podcast more visible and enabling us to get more guests on the show. If you'd like to send us a question or be a guest on the show, email us at dclduo at gmail.com or reach out to us on social media at dclduo. You can also head over to the DCL Duo channel on YouTube for even more great content. The DCL Duo podcast and vlog are not affiliated with the Walt Disney Cruise Line, the Walt Disney Company, or the Walt Disney family of theme parks. The views expressed on the show are solely those of the individuals on the podcast and in no way reflect the views of the Walt Disney Company or Disney Cruise Line. If you have any questions about a Disney cruise or a Walt Disney World vacation, please contact Disney directly or your own travel agent. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time on another fabulous Disney adventure with the DCL Duo. Thank you.